Hello and welcome back to The Rewind. I'm Josh and this is a podcast where I watch a bunch of movies and talk about them with my friends. Today's episode is about The Mustang and I am happy to be joined by my friend Daniel Lima. Daniel, we finally got you for a horse movie. Yeah, super excited for that. Love a good horse movie. Yeah, so that's just a, a subgenre that Daniel has a particularly affection a particular affection for. I mean, you just kind of like horses, though, I guess. But war is it fair to say War Horse is like one of your favorite movies of the twenty first century? War Horse is one of my favorite movies. Period. Okay. I put it at I think number six. Oh, geez, that I've seen. Uh, yeah, love, love a horse movie. I love animal movies generally. I think that they just offer up a nice little dynamic of, you know, bonding with this non-human entity that I think, uh, you know, offers an opportunity for a filmmaker to, you know, create a connection that goes beyond just dialogue. It's, I think it's a feat that really impresses me when I can feel for something that isn't human without yeah, uh, without having like a real conversation or something exactly yeah. and i think that horse i think that what's impressive about horses honestly it's like just the scale of them there's these huge monstrous <laughs> things when you think about it and you know we've learned to bond and master them and you know I'll, you know they take us places they took us places on their <laughs> backs and all it's crazy when you think about it and i think that uh, a lot you know the great horse movies war horse uh what's it black was it Black Stallion or Black Beauty from the 1970s? I've read the book um, Black Beauty. I don't know if, I, if they've done a movie on it. I haven't seen it. I read the book in like middle school. Oh, it was either Black Beauty or Black Stallion from the 70s. Really gotcha. good. Uh, what's it called from the 1940s with uh, Mickey Rooney? Anyways. You're going past my time. Yeah. Uh, there's, there's plenty of really great horse movies that really dive into how, you know, we – our relationship with these <laughs> grandiose yeah. beasts in a way that I think is – more interesting uh than uh you know just a dog or a cat you know yeah and i'm and i'm not as well versed in these as you but i feel like the mustang found an interesting twist on that and the mustang is ironically directed by a, a french woman uh laurie de clermont tonnerre i'm really sorry if i'm getting her name wrong she co-wrote it with someone named mona fastfold and a guy named uh brock norman brock that's actually the guy's name. I'm just reading it now for the first time. Uh, it stars uh, Matthias Schonart, who uh, some of you might know from A Bigger Splash or Red Sparrow or a few other things. He's kind of become a bigger deal over the last few years. He plays a guy named Roman Coleman, who has been incarcerated in various different locations throughout the penitentiary, American penitentiary system uh, for uh, domestic, uh, domestic assault uh, against his ex-wife or I guess wife, I don't really need to parse that one too much, but caused her serious brain damage and she eventually died and he's been in jail for 10 year, 12 years and he's been resisting the the uh, penal system's different efforts to try and reintegrate him back into the general population and uh, he's kind of just finally kind of pushed into this by uh, a jail therapist played by Connie Britton and is back brought back into like general population in a prison in Nevada and uh, the, the, as inmates are, he's assigned a job. Initially, it's just shoveling horse poop because this uh, prison is part of a program that trains wild mustangs because must, mustangs, wild horses are very common throughout the southwest, actually. And there are various ways that they control the population. I think some are euthanized, some are rounded up on reservations, and some are like brought to prisons and trained by inmates to then be auctioned off to go to private owners. And this is a prison that participates in that system, and he eventually kind of finds himself a part of it, but it's not so easy because he has serious temper issues, and that comes up a lot. 
Daniel, first I want to start because this is kind of interesting. It's the second movie in as many years that uh, deals with Mustangs. Uh, last year, The Rider got a lot of critical acclaim. Very different kind of movie. Um, hyperrealism, I think, is a term that gets thrown around some when it's like uh, non-professional actors like it was in that movie. It took place in Montana. Uh, did, I, did, did you see that? Was that a movie you were thinking about as you watched this? And uh, It just got a lot of critical acclaim last year, and I was wondering if that was something that was on your mind as you're watching this movie, thinking like, oh, you know, this movie did the horse thing better or not quite as good. Oh, well, this were, this movie did do the horse thing better. But, um, you know, I wasn't actually really thinking about uh, what's it called? Must, the, uh, writer. the Writer. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, The Writer is a movie that I barely ever think about at all. It's it's nothing it's nothing that I think about. Right. Uh, that being said. So what so what resonated with you about this story then? Well, I think that this is a far more, I don't know, traditional movie than, uh, you know, the what's it called? The writer. the writer. Wow, that is such a forgettable. Uh, that was a dumb move yeah. by my part, just presuming that you really cared about that movie just because it had a horse. So, oh uh, yeah, no, I'm not going to yeah, be offended if you can't remember not, the name, even though I not like the writer. Horse movie is built the same, but here this is a far more you know traditional take on the you know sort of man bonds with beast genre. What I like about the Mustang is that there is an inherent connection between these two that I think makes sense to build a foundation on both are incarcerated against their will both have wild urges that they try to bottle up and you know connecting with each other man and beast find a way to you know tame themselves tame the storm within them i think that it's pretty good and there's a nice little allegory to the prison system uh wrapped in there too yeah, I think I, the reason I mentioned the writers because I thought these movies are very the movies are opposite in certain ways, you know. Uh, but I, I mean, they're about people that are have different types of isolation that they're dealing with. Except, you know, the writer is about someone that what happens when you lose the one thing in life that gives you purpose. And here, it's to me, it's about is there even a way to find a way to give your life purpose when you're in this situation? And here is one possible way through which you can do that. And except this is such a unique way to do it. Like you've seen prison movies before, I feel like, but it's almost more about, I don't know if you've seen a ton of movies that like really focus on like prison reform, even if something like as iconic as like the Shawshank Redemption, you know, the, the parole hearings in that movie are like treated as like a joke almost where, you know, red is just kind of blow, like taking him super seriously. And it's like, Oh, when he finally blows it off, he gets out of prison or whatever. It's, I don't think it's really focusing all that much on reform. It's if, if anything, it's like kind of played off as a joke that it's ironic that, uh, Andy Dufresne does more legal shit when he's in jail than, uh, than he ever did outside of jail. Uh, and I, I just don't think it's a movie about that. And I don't, and uh, like, certain maybe tv shows focus a little more on about oz but to really actually just take a close look at like how how you should even view violent criminals as people when they're at that point where they might not even be that close to getting released and what does reform even look like or rehabilitation even look like and i think i just appreciated like a movie doing that uh telling that story and just Doing it through a horse is an interesting way to do it. Like you said, there is this these parallels about them both being kind of imprisoned against their will, but at the same time, also just how you approach either that person or that creature. And that's just a really interesting thing to think about. Like someone that they're both, like you said, they both have violent tendencies. And how do you even connect to someone that is has such a such an anger problem? Like you don't want to just blow off someone that is a considered different or an other in society. You know, you need to like approach them with like respect, but also 
treat them like a human being as opposed to just like a, a wild animal. And at the same way, you might want to treat the, you got to treat the wild animal with the same kind of respect. And that's maybe part of how like horse training works. Cause you got, it's a very interesting art just to watch play out on screen. I mean, that was probably the most interesting part of the writer for me was maybe for you too, mm-hmm. was watching those scenes. Even if you didn't like the rest of that movie, it's like, it's a very cool process just to watch. And I feel like it really ties into just all these other themes while being a movie that's really not that big in scope at the same time. Yeah, no, I agree with you there. The best part of the writer was, you know, watching and of course, you know, the stuff about, you know, how, what do you do when you lose your dream? But also the best scenes were like these moments where you get him connecting with this animal and, you know, watching the ballet like sequence that has to be done, the care that has to be taken in order to do it. Uh, Likewise, this movie, you know, applies that both to the horse and to the man. Uh, I think that this movie would be a lot less effective with a different lead. Uh, what's his name? I, I genuinely don't know how to pronounce this guy's name. Can you can you guide me through it? Matthias Schoenart? It's, it's Matthias Schoenart, I think. Okay, Matthias Schoenart. Uh, I think that he brings a lot of depth to this role. I think that every time he's on, whenever he's on screen, which is most of the movie, like you feel this smoldering inner rage within him. Uh, and this guy is like also, a, this guy is like a blonde haired blue eyed, Aryan looking Belgian dude. Like he really, yeah. he really does pull off that transformation very well. Yes, like you feel the conflict and the struggle, but within him i didn't honestly think that i was ever gonna like see another movie about an angry disaffected white guy and think oh yeah i feel for him but i feel (laughs) for him i feel for him i feel for his struggle i think that it does a great job in humanizing a man who you know if you were told hey this guy beat up his wife you probably wouldn't have a ton of sympathy for him uh we're not actually told that that until later in the movie which maybe helps a little bit as far as like we form some connection with him until we figure out exactly what he did fair enough honestly i don't know i thought that that was that was my first guess he seemed like an angry white guy i was like yeah he probably hit his wife or something (laughs) (laughs) but but um yeah he does a great job he kind of you know does the legwork uh what's his name what's her name gideon adlon plays the daughter his daughter who comes to visit him and while as he develops in his relationship with this horse and controlling his own inner urges through controlling his horse, he all, you also see a development in how he interacts with other people, principally his daughter. I think that I like Gideon Adlon from Blockers. I didn't think she was particularly effective here. I wasn't sure watching if she was going for being kind of dull and, you know, downbeat and kind of broken. I don't know. Maybe she was genuinely shooting for that, but she just kind of, to me, kind of just got I kind of inferred that was her deal. I mean, some girl that had to, like, take care of her brain-damaged mom at, like, the age of nine or whatever. I couldn't really figure out exactly how old she was supposed to be. I thought it was supposed to be, like, a teen mom. But then if you're like, this thing happened 12 years ago and she's, like, 18 or something, then... Like, well, she's, she's not, not 18. Well, we know she's not 18 because she had to she had to get him to sign paperwork that would emancipate That's the thing. her. So I, I didn't t- quite understand the timeline there because it's, like she'd been in jail for 12 years so it's like i know you weren't taking care of your mom when you were five i guess the (laughs) the grandma had been in the picture and maybe the grandma was doing it and that's why they're dealing with the grandma's house i don't know but either way like take it take her at her word that she's having to like at least from her like her early teens maybe even a little younger like have to take care of her brain dead mom and has a dad that did something terrible to her uh i kind of bought that she'd be a little embittered and jaded and maybe not like the most upbeat extroverted person in the world i mean i understand that part but what i don't get is when she 
confronts him fully about all that stuff. You didn't think you didn't totally buy that? I didn't really buy it because she just still was the monotone kind of dull-eyed. And I just – I was – come on. I know you can act, but uh, in any case – I didn't even recognize it was her. I mean I don't know. Maybe that more credit goes like the makeup department. but like, And they tried to make her look very much like white trash and she's just your average like middle-class white girl in blockers. So Mm. I I think – there's a lot that goes into making her look different, but I had like no idea till like before we started recording the podcast. And as I, uh, I disclosed to you, which is probably just a really dumb assumption on my part. I thought they were supposed to be like Hispanic family. And like I, they, I, to me, she looked dark enough to like pass for Hispanic and she might just be like, Oh, I'll have a darker complexion. But I was like, man, this Mateus Schoenart's performance is really good. But I don't know about this cast in him as like a Hispanic guy. And totally. Nah, I don't think our, yeah, yeah I no, t- totally unfounded that. assumption on my part, but it made me even like more surprised when I was like, Oh, so that was that was Gideon Adon, who like I also very much liked the Blockers and Daughter of Pamela Adon, Better Things, great show. But like, yeah, I still haven't seen it. Oh, I, I highly recommend it. I mean, it might be a little weird going back watching the first two seasons, knowing that Louis C.K. wrote like every episode. Yeah, but uh, yeah. season three is pretty good so far. So uh, noted. Yeah, but uh, anyway, I thought she was fine. I, I I didn't leave the screen like blown away by her, and I really liked her in Blockers. But I mean, mm. I still bought that. Like uh, to his credit, though, I bought that. Like. As, as uh, withdrawn and angry as he seemed to be in the movie, I bought the transformation that he genuinely wanted to reconnect with her. Yes. Uh, the one aspect of this movie that I think kind of falls flat is the actual, I don't know, prison-y stuff. There's a whole thing about, like, uh, Jason Mitchell, who plays uh, uh, Matthias's Jason Mitchell's horse, like always horse. he's always very good. Yeah, uh, well, but like he's a <laughs> he he plays the you know the, his mentor, also a prisoner, but you know more schooled in the ways of the horse. Um, there's this whole storyline where like uh, there's like this drug ring, and you know Matthias's character gets caught up in it. Like he has to smuggle stuff. With Jay, you know, like this whole thing, Jason Mitchell is also kind he's of like doing it. But I think I think his basically um, Matthias's. Coleman, we can call him Coleman, I guess, too. His roommate really wanted uh, Matthias to have the room to be the main drug mule, and he knew that Jason Mitchell got duty in the drug room sometimes for the actual horse purposes, and he's like, all right, well, uh, he'll get access to it more if I just kill him, and then he'll be able to bring me more drugs. So that's how I took it, but it's not exactly the like most deftly handled storyline. Yeah, uh, it was like, oh, so you're in prison, so of course you have to have this drug smuggling thing sandwiched in there. It just, it felt inorganic. It felt. I think the movie is perfectly fine if there's none of that. Like if it, yeah, even if Jason, if Jason Mitchell, uh, spoiler, just sign off now. Wait, we're gonna spoil this movie. Uh, if uh, if Jason Mitchell, I like how you say, I like how you give the alert like 10, 20 minutes into the episode. We didn't spoil anything really yet. I mean, we know it's a movie yeah. about reform and stuff, and Fair that's enough. all they know. And Daniel and I both highly recommend it. So go away if you think you might be interested in this movie. Uh, if it hangs around your theaters for another couple weeks, because uh, there's not a lot coming out weekend after next, the next two weeks at all, besides Hellboy, really, and that movie that you told me about about the curse or whatever. The curse of Laren Yoro. I sorry, I can't. Yeah, I didn't know. I didn't know what it was when you told me what it was when you when you reminded me but like i just literally have seen that trailer 50 times and i had no idea what the name of the movie was but yeah yeah it's it, one of those. If, if mustang hangs around for two weeks i definitely think it's worth making time for anyway i think this movie is just as if not more effective if you would take out that whole thing and jason mitchell survives the whole time and it's just about uh and, and it's literally like just about the the horse stuff yeah i i think that it would have been a far more effective movie focusing on that 
you know, sent, and it seems like that's what, you know, the director or writer was more interested in anyways. I'm not sure where that whole idea, you know, came from, but so it goes. It's still a really, really well done, nuanced movie that still has little lines like, if you want to, if you want to take control of your horse, first you need to control yourself. Little <laughs> things like that. I love it. I love it. I live for that. I live for that. But it's also, you know, it's also kind of already, but also it's got lines like that. So, yeah, I, I was wholly satisfied. I also did like that they didn't make it like too easy. For a minute, I thought. I mean, obviously, he for whatever reason he's able to control the horse when they need to evacuate it during the storm. And I, and for a minute, I'm like, oh, well, now they're just going to have this great connection, and it's going to be like super easy the rest of the movie and uh he does have to work at it quite a bit and gets frustrated and there is a lot of watching uh coleman just scream and yell at the horse and yell at a fence and get really mad and i'm like good it it shouldn't be like super easy to tame a mustang and i thought that might feels like a natural child it it feels like a natural because the thing where he like punches the horse happens uh before that and i thought like all right, they're all going to be totally good now that they just had this reconciliation during the storm, and they they didn't really shortchange the process. I will point out that when they when he punched the horse, I couldn't help but think of Mongo from Blazing Saddles. Uh, I, I, I've seen Blazing Saddles, but I'm forgetting the specific. Part He's you're the about. big dumb guy who punches a horse. Oh, okay. It's it's really funny. Okay. Uh, this time it wasn't. Yeah, this <laughs> is. A, I'd say this is a, of a different genre. Yeah, um, different genre, slightly, slightly. Um, but, uh, beyond that, I just wanted to say, Ooh, it left my mind. what do you think about Bruce Dern? I like Bruce Dern. Um, I generally like him. He's a reliable guy. I enjoyed I seeing him play like actually someone that wasn't really senile, you know, I, I, <laughs> I, I, in, in this late stage part of his career, I think the two things he's probably like most recognizable for now, like the last five years would be Nebraska and, uh, hateful eight. hateful eight. And he's basically playing like someone that's half senile in both of those movies. And this was like more of a real person. And I appreciated okay. that, you know? Yeah. Uh, he, uh, he's in his, you know, when he, in his younger days, he played probably the best assholes I've ever seen on film. Have you ever seen the driver? Uh, his character, he plays a detective there. I think he's credited as the detective because nobody has a name in that movie. Mm. Uh, he plays just this really conniving asshole-ish cop who's doing exactly his job. Um, I don't remember him even being like a corrupt cop, but he was just a huge, huge prick. And you get little shades of that here that are, you know, a, 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 like a little glimmer from his glory days that made me, you know, Ah, uh, that's nice. He gets to be kind of a jerk again. Yeah, but he was like a jerk, but also he had a kind of a code, you know? He was. Oh, like yeah. Protected. He's a jerk with a heart of gold. Yeah, so it was nice that he you got to see him, like, uh, probably, I mean, uh, for lack of a better term, like, whip these guys into shape and make sure they treated the horses with respect and uh, approach that job the way it should have been approached. But at the same time, he, he does kind of feel for Coleman. Uh, I thought it was kind of, I, I guess... How did you take that last ride with the auction where he gets a little distracted because his daughter hasn't come and he's looking out in the stands and all that. And then this helicopter comes over and that just sends Marcus, which is the name of the horse. We didn't uh, say that yet. Marcus gets spooked and throws throws Mateus off the horse, stomps him in the face. And then Bruce Dern's like, all right, they're shutting down the program and they're going to put down this horse. And I didn't know from from when initially I took that to mean like man I just wish that helicopter hadn't come by and like he could have just messed up on his own and that might have been a little better I'm like this is kind of like a weird cheap way to like kind of 
like get us to like a sad ending and i i didn't know but then someone else told me that like uh, or something else i read kind of implied that like oh even if he the helicopter had come if he hadn't been looking into the stands it all would have been fine i didn't really know i thought it was just kind of a weird deus ex machina type of thing you know like just having that helicopter coming from out of nowhere where like coleman could have just messed up on his own i suppose i think that as for me, it kind of works. I think that, you know, the it shows that, you know, life's not fair. And yeah, life's not fair. Things happen. And I think that, I mean, clearly the fact that they're going to put down the horse, it's treated as a sad thing that shouldn't be happening. Uh, and I think that it's indicative of the fact that, you know, we how we treat the people in prison and, uh, you know, these horses, but these people in prison where we put them in these sorts of harsh conditions mistakes get made but we refuse to allow them any sort of leniency it's it's a little barbaric i will put by the way i I must point out after this movie finished i stayed until after the credits it was me and two older ladies down up front and as they got up to leave they were talking to each other and one of them said well i like the horses but the men oh they were off you should have we should just shoot them like dogs Mm. and i was i stared at her like how is that your take this is a whole movie about how people can change if you give them the opportunity and you actually try and your take is we shoot them like dogs also how do you treat your dogs yeah ah gosh uh no, but I, I mean, I think that is like a good that, point because, like, I think that is, that is a point I didn't quite talk enough about yet, and that's I wanted to dwell on it a little more. Is just like we mentioned at the beginning how I mean, it's a movie about rehabilitation, and I, there's a movie, there's a version of this movie that's maybe like 20 minutes longer where we get to know like another one of the inmates and kind of just see the horse's effect on another friend he makes or something. Because uh, at the time we meet him, like Jason Mitchell's already like super well adjusted. You, I mean, you can you can. Im, 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 infer that he had some kind of problem in his past involving violence but he seems like just about the most well aside from the whole drug smuggling thing he seems like about the most model kind of person you could be and i i don't know i i I do just think it's a good illustration of like the uh the role that the if if we utilize it correctly the role that like the prison system can have if it's used for rehabilitation rather than uh retribution you know and i i i think you really do see that on that that character's face and you know maybe we didn't really see it on any other prisoner's face but like you see it has a it, it presumably uh, even if this guy's going to be a jail for a really long time it can have a positive effect on his family and you never know if the, those family members turn out better because they have a better relationship with uh the patriarch of their family you know it might just have a trickle-down effect and you shouldn't just kind of write people off just because they're behind bars i guess is what i'm saying absolutely Absolutely. I don't know that this movie needed to be necessarily longer. Yeah, I think I, that I if mean, you I like excise, if, yeah, if you excise all this drug smuggling thing, I think you just can do a little more backstory on Jason Mitchell. Also, I just appreciate a 90 minute movie. This movie is only like 90 minutes. Uh, and I think that it fits in a whole lot of, you know, really nuanced subtext into that 90 minutes. And I respect that. Make shorter movies, people. If he can, if this lady can do this for 90 minutes, anyone can. I'm looking at you. I'm looking at you. Uh, who did uh, Beale Street? I keep forgetting this guy. Barry name. Jenkins. I'm looking at you, Barry. I'm looking at you. If Laurie de Claremont can make a movie about America in 90 minutes that touches me, what's your excuse? I mean, that's a that's a isn't that a little bit of a? Uh, I mean, 
Okay, uh, Moonlight was like an hour fifty. I think I don't know if Beale Street was like that much longer. Actually, Moonlight. I'm, I'm gonna. Uh, yeah, Moonlight is only like ninety minutes too, but it doesn't make me feel anything. Oh no, Beale Street and, was like almost a full two hours. Moonlight's not actually ninety. It's it's one hundred eleven minutes. So I mean, is it? yeah, I, it, it feels shorter than that though, which I think is a compliment. I mean, me. it's, I mean, not that you. The only, I, I know, you don't the like only. That. It's the only compliment I'll give it. Okay, yeah. All right. We don't need to let this turn into a bunch of Barry Jenkins slander. <laughs> uh, uh, but yeah, so no, I agree, man. I, I'm glad that you uh, that you saw this because I don't really know anyone else who is or is going to probably make Yeah, this came to. and went pretty quick here. I mean, it's still in my theater and it might be for one more week, but if that, so uh, who, who knows how many uh, people this episode will find, but I, I hope it does because I it's an interesting movie to talk about because going off what you said about runtime, I mean, just to, just to like fit in, like at least be able to create at least a couple compelling characters and have those scenes where it's like really interesting as far as getting to watch horse training but at the same time like like you said fit in all this subtext about like our criminal justice system and how it needs reformed and here's an example of how it can work really well and but just paralleling the horse and the man and just their backstories i mean it, it accomplishes a lot in a and gets in and out very quickly i think it's a really impressive feat and i'm uh curious to see what this filmmaker does next because I, I mentioned that oh, I, yeah. I, I don't know anything about her like i, I didn't i honestly like had forgotten to like look at the filmmaker information before we got on here and like as far as i can see at least on letterboxd uh she's only directed one other thing and that was a short called rabbit uh that's all i got that's all I got on her. Yeah, I mean, um, yeah, like it has like a, probably like a, a looks like a French TV series and maybe another French short. So, I mean, it seems like if she was a creative mind behind this, again, her name is uh, Laure de Clermont Tonnerre, and I might be messing that up, but it's mm. it seems like she has a, a very at least a very good some kind of grasp on just American society and it's in some of its problems and because we have like a more messed up prison system than just about any country in the world you know mm-hmm. and uh to have seized upon a a program like this that is not utilized that widely it's i think they it, i don't think it's just a southwest thing i think it was a, a couple a couple of states maybe i think it's yeah there's yeah. a couple there, there's a couple of a couple states, states east of the this. mississippi i think might have done it too i can't i can't remember exactly where. i don't think east. i don't think east of the mississippi uh, okay. mustangs are mustangs are you know, in the Southwest. True. But, I think uh, maybe, maybe like, uh, maybe more like Midwest, uh, it got over there maybe, but I, I just it, not very, whatever. And it's not that widespread. And for uh, like a French filmmaker that hasn't done a lot and presumably maybe hasn't spent a ton of time in the States. If she it looks like she hasn't done a lot of English language stuff to at least have a really good grasp of this obscure material and to tell a really interesting story. It's, it's just really impressive. Yeah, I agree. I'm looking forward to whatever she goes and does next. Yeah, any other odds and ends or things we didn't touch on that you wanted to mention before we sign off? No, man, just uh, that this movie was really impressive. And also, if you ever go out and ride a horse, then this movie will be even more impressive to you. I rode a horse last year for national to celebrate National Day of the Horse, of course. <laughs> and uh, it it's tough. It's really, really tough. It's tough for me. And I as far as I know, have no problems with anger or anything like that or self-control. So, uh, yeah, I, I really respect, uh, what this movie is saying and right, what so, these people are doing on screen. Yeah. It's been a while since I rode a horse. I know it's not easy. So just imagine what it is to like ride a horse that like five weeks beforehand had never been like touched by a human being before. Oh yeah. So, oh, yeah. I mean, and that's the thing, like when I was watching the rider, like the, the, the interesting thing about it is like, that guy is like a, like a savant and in the rider like that's the thing mm-hmm. he was born to do was like train and ride those kind of horses and uh so here it's like man like it's really in- interesting that 
I mean, I guess Bruce Dern is like kind of a trained horse trainer and the Jason Mitchell guy got really good at it, but still it's like, these are guys that have maybe never ridden a horse before and they're doing the same thing as like professional animal trainers do and having to do it in five weeks. It's just all, all everything else aside. It's just, it's just like a very interesting program that like it's possible for them to even accomplish that. So yeah, I mean, uh, again, I highly recommend it too. It, uh, especially a, a, a weirdly slow time in the month, I'd say for movies before we get to Avengers Endgame. So if you have a chance to catch it at your theater and then uh, just in the next week or so, I uh, recommend checking it out. So uh, Daniel, before we sign off, uh, anything you want to plug letterbox or something else, or even just like another, movie if there's something that you uh have seen recently you want to watch because i decided i could start doing that too because i recorded the podcast on shazam with uh with fred and elijah and fred was like oh yeah well here's my letterbox but go watch the criterion channel or go watch this and he also p- recommended some show on netflix so you could do that too but or if you want to just plug your letterbox do that so anything else you want to tell the listeners to watch feel free oh, to do well, that too i'm gonna i'm gonna plug my letterbox that's gonna be letterbox.com slash felonious with an f funk and i want to tell y'all I'm going to recommend to you the film Jupiter Ascending, which was trashed when it came out. But I went and I watched it. And I'm telling you, man, the Wachowskis are some of the greatest creators of this goddamn decade. Yes, because people have watched The Matrix. They don't need to watch Jupiter, subject themselves to Jupiter Ascending to know that. No, Jupiter Ascending is a brilliant movie. Okay, maybe, maybe is... I'll actually watch it then because I actually haven't watched it, to be oh, honest. Oh, yeah, no. It's, it's, it's great. It is like a version of the phantom menace where it actually all works where there's this you know complex political maneuvering what did everyone else miss about it that you got huh what did everyone else miss about it that you got it got shitty i think that everyone just yeah it got shitty reviews and they all are wrong i don't know what to tell you (laughs) the i think that there's a fantastic sense of world building i think that there's all the political maneuvering is actually quite interesting and nuanced i think that there's a lot of interesting moral quandaries posed i think that the performances are great the action is stellar the production design is stellar as usual uh with the wachowski joint uh you know i i i I mean fucking eddie redmayne people mocked his performance but you look at that now and i am like you won the oscar for the wrong movie is that what you're trying to say Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that this is one of the best performances of the day. He's going for it. He is going for it in a way that very few actors will. I think that it's absolutely fantastic. I don't understand how this was not immediately hailed as a masterpiece, but that seems to be the Wachowski's lot because they did Cloud Atlas, which is also amazingly fantastic. They did Sensate, which is, you know, amazing, fantastic. Uh, They just keep getting undersold, and I don't get why. Uh, It's great. I highly recommend that. And if you want to see all the other things that I watch and rate, I I try to review everything on Letterboxd, so check that out. I've now realized this might be dangerous opening up this part of the podcast for Daniel to plug but we'll see see how it goes. I think he gave you enough of a strong recommendation that I'm not going to start doing that till I... uh, until I get more back in the swing of things and start watching more old stuff because I have done, not done as great of a job of that this year uh, keeping busy because I've been keeping busy with this podcast and other life stuff. But if you want right. to see my thoughts on all the movies I'm watching, even the ones that I don't talk about here, you can read my letterbox, uh, Josh Jernovoy, J-O-S-H-J-U-R-N-O-V-O-Y. My Twitter account's the same thing. And please subscribe to the podcast on a letter – or not on a letterbox, uh, pod, <laughs> on Spotify. Uh, search under Spotify Podcast to rewind Josh. So everyone, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.